Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Media Mates Podcast. My name's Ralph Tucker. Each week, I'll chat to somebody I've met from my career in and around the media industry. All of them have such great stories to tell. I'm not Michael Parkinson or Andrew Denton, but I do enjoy chatting to interesting media people about where they've been, where they're headed next, and everything else in between. My guest today is Brooklyn Ross from KISS 1065. Brooklyn has been working in radio for about a decade for radio stations 2EC in Bega, 2CC in Canberra, and Sydney stations 2GB, Today FM, The Edge, and now KISS 1065. We chat about his dream job on the Kyle and Jackie O show, the risks he took to establish his career, and setting up his own gay radio station. Brooklyn is a very thoughtful and intelligent guy, so I really hope you enjoy our chat. Brooklyn Ross, welcome to the Media Mates podcast. Hey, Ralph. Thank you. How's it going? I'm going well. You've just come off a shift at the Kiss Network, Kyle and Jackie O Show. Yeah. How's that all going for you? A couple of weeks back into the new year? Yeah, that's right. So second year that I'm doing it now, and it's great. Like, seriously, best job in the world. I cannot talk it up enough and um it was always the you know the kind of goal that I had in radio um and you know getting the job like you it's, it's hard to believe like you go what really like am I really got here and um yeah and it's just apart from getting up at 4 a.m which anyone that does that um knows that you know that's not the best part of the job but everything apart from that it's just great love it you're actually the third newsreader from the Kyle and Jackie O show that I've had on. <laughs> yeah. Emma Duxbury, Jeff Field, before you. So I don't know what it is about this podcast and that particular job, but were they people that you looked up to? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, of course, definitely. Like I, um, my first, my first FM job in Sydney was at Today FM when Emma was, uh, doing the breakfast news for Kyle and Jackie O. And so, you know, obviously I learned from her while she was doing the job. Um, Jeff had it before her. And as as a gay person, I think growing up and um, getting into news reading and journalism and radio, when you've got a, a, a gay, openly gay newsreader um, doing the biggest show in the country and then celebrated for it and, and having the gay wedding put on, I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that that, that is inspiring for for anyone who's gay in the media to 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 look at and look at and and go wow you really can just be who i am not have to you know pretend to put on the deeper voice or anything like that you know just be me and and it'll be okay like jeff really proved that and um so uh, yeah so inspiring and and it's probably why it, it did become my goal to get to is because I just saw this 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 gay guy with his boyfriend and he was just having the time of his life on this show and you think, wow, that would be great to to do that one day. And in, I didn't really ever think it, it would happen, you know. You sort of think, oh, by the time I ever got to that point, you know, it might be all different, the show might not exist anymore or whatever or Jeff would still be doing it or Emma would still be doing it. But, you know, you just the planets align, I guess. You just never know how things will end up. And yeah, it's great to be the to be in the lineup of people that have done that job. What's it like working with those guys every day? Because it's not a standard 
newsreader's job, is it? You're part of very much part of the fabric of the show. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, um, you have a lot less time to, you know, to be the journalist, I guess, like to to be out there calling up people and doing interviews over the phone because for that three, three and a half hours of the show, um, it's on, like you, you're there on air. So it cha- the, the role changes in that respect. Um, but I think they obviously, the people that the, the, uh, do the job, like get the job and do it, are obviously right at the, at the top of their game at that point. So I think... Um, You've had enough experience to uh, to be able, you know, to still have your finger on everything that's going on, know what to look for, know what goes into a bulletin or what to leave out. Um, that it's almost, you know, you, you're not stressed doing yeah. it. Like, what's, you, what, what's what sort of role does Twitter play in that? Because obviously, the dissemination of news is a whole lot faster than what it used to be. Or you, you, you've probably yeah. grown up with yeah, just have. Twitter, so yeah. um, you're able to switch into that gear of, okay, instead of, you know, something arriving via email, you can pretty much, if there's a breaking story, you've got your Twitter open, you can just uh, tap into that and and uh, and put that up as like a breaking news story yeah. as it happens anyway. Yeah, well, exactly. That's right. Um, and we have where, where KISS is, it's obviously um, partnered up with WSFM, which has, you know, most comprehensive FM news in Sydney, as they would say. And so... You know, we rely, me on KISS and KISS in general relies on having that full news staff at that station so that, you know, we we pick and we get the up-to-date information that they're chasing and following up more in depth and we cover it obviously in the shorter bulletins. Um, But Twitter, yeah, Twitter's always there. Like I think with KISS news, uh, it's, it's news that's more about what, what people are talking about. So, um, you're, what I'm doing with Twitter or in the mornings, like I'll, I'll have Sunrise or the Today Show on, um, you're just watching what the topics of the day are and yep. you don't want to miss anything that people are potentially going to get to work and talk about. You want them to have to have heard it and you want to be telling everyone what, you know, what, what's been going on overnight, what you're going to be talking about at work that day so that people actually rock up to work and they're, you know, they've got that little bit of information to to know what's going on. So I think, yeah, it's more about just not letting the news on that show not not be really like today's topical. news and topical and current, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, you're not going down your traditional path of, you know, Joe Bloggs got stabbed down at um, Cabramatta or uh, different things like that. It's more probably human interest stories yeah. that make your news. And, I mean, obviously... If there's a big political story, you don't want to be. Well, if there's a big political story, people are talking about it, so That's it, right. it, it comes into it. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, for me as as a newsreader on that show and on Kiss, um, I mean, crime crime stories. I I just have a personal. I don't think they fit in in the news um, unless it's obviously you know something. Like a Martin Place seat. Yeah, of course. But if it's if it's your random, like, oh, this happened overnight in this suburb, in this street, in this house, it's like, well, who who does that affect and who really cares about that? Probably the, like, you know, 10 houses surrounding that house. Yeah. 
does the rest of Sydney like, really, is that going to affect their day or are they going to be talking about that? Probably not. So, you know, why put that in the news when you could put a different story that affects a lot of people that everyone can relate to and will talk about? So, yeah, I, I don't really like crime that much, which, you know, I think a lot, like for me when I was first getting into news, um, you think like you love crime stories because in radio you think, oh, it's, it's breaking and, you know, we've got this story right. first and and it does seem exciting. Um, but I think when you kind of mature, you really want to make your news every single bulletin that someone will potentially hear, you want you want every story to to be interesting or relatable um, to that listener every single time. So just because a story has just come through on Twitter and you've got it first, oh, I've been breaking news, if no one really cares about it, you know, what are you achieving? Like That's an interesting take on it, and I guess that comes back to the fact that you've got one minute yeah. to tell the news of the day. So you've got to be really tight and selective mm, in the stories that, yeah. that, that, that you pick. That's a really good skill in, in terms of how to deliver something with great uh, brevity, whereas if you were on the uh, WSFM, yeah, you've got the time, you've got, to, you've got go time to, to expand yeah. and, and, and get into the, the nuts and bolts of stories and perhaps include like a little, you know, 15, 20-second crime rap of yeah. what, what may have happened, whereas you've got to pretty much encapsulate what the issues are of the day and then I guess being on a situation in a, a station like KISS, you've got to cover off a bit of celebrity news where we've sort of discussed this on this podcast before. It's just like there seems to be a whole lot of emphasis on that these days, but does it really belong in the in the news? Yeah. So I, I'll tell you this as well. So I don't really like crime stories and I particularly also hate um, celebrity, random celebrity like, oh, and uh, Kim Kardashian has um, changed her hair colour to this. You know, like yes. who cares? Like... Yeah, like if you if if you're clicking on web stories and there's a picture, like yeah, might click on it and 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 be vaguely interested. But when you don't have pictures and you've just got words, I mean, who cares? Who cares? I I I'll, I like celebrity stories. If well, I don't, it's wrong to say I like them. But if it's a serious, you know, if a celebrity's obviously died or or like. Um, Something actually has happened to them. Yeah, of course, put it in. But when it's just you random, like, haha, this is supposed to be funny, I don't like that. And I'd rather. Um, You've got to leave that for like your gossip websites and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you know? it's not, it's not, you know, I, and I, I, I get it. I get that there's a huge amount of interest in celebrity these days and we've all shifted our, our thinking. But to me, it doesn't belong in the news. Mm. My, I mean, my rule with it, so basically with my news, as you said, it's about a minute long and I'll have in total generally five story, five different stories in each bulletin um, and some I sort of talk about a bit more and the others will just be one line or whatever. And for every story in every bulletin that I do, my, my rule is that it has to either relate to our audience, which is is aimed at sort of 30 to 40-year-old um, women in Sydney. Like that's the KISS target demographic. So every story, I think, is someone that lives in Sydney 
who's probably female, probably, you know, in middle age, 30 to 40 or whatever, are they going to relate to this story? Is it going to actually affect them and their daily life in any way? And if not that, is it is it really interesting to them? You know, will they hear that story and go, oh, wow, that, you know, I didn't know that or that's fascinating or whatever? I kind of think some of the FM news doesn't actually consider the audience or treats them as though they don't have a great lot of intelligence. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't do that. I mean, you, especially in news, you've got to, um, and I think it's true, people are smart. You know, uh, to, to think that, that you're sort of smarter than your listeners and and you got to dumb things down, like, that's, that's silly. Um, uh, in terms of, like, everyone has their own different styles and everything that I you know, say to you today, like, it's just the way I do, I do things. Um, and I, you know, I, I, obviously I think that's, that's a good way of doing it, which is why I do it. Um, but you know, people are different, like, and, and times change. Like I'm sure in 10 years time, the way I do things will probably be looked at as really old school, you know, and there'll be some new, like, and I'm conscious of that as well. Like, um, you know, I do actually listen to other, uh, other stations and the way they present news and kind of think, oh, that's a bit different. Like that's that's something new to do. Maybe that's the future. Like, mm. um, and it does change. Like, say, take the last ten years. Like, FM news has has gotten shorter. Like, more um, more tight. You kind of have your sound effects throughout the news, which yeah. is kind of a new thing. Um, you know, so it changes. You've just and and. I, you know, you can't get left behind, I guess. You've just got to, and it's good. It's I like it. I like when things change and, you know, that's a, F, FM radios are always about that, like just doing something fresh and sounding current. Um, yeah. Where did it all start for you, the passion for radio? First, when I was in high school, I was, you know, I wanted to be on TV and I thought that would be so cool. And I did work experience in Griffith, New South Wales, where it must have been one of the last remaining kind of... So where are you originally from? I'm from the south coast. Um, I was born in Gosford, lived in Dubbo for a while and then did high school around Batemans Bay, Maruya. And um, then I, yeah, randomly had a relative that lived near Griffith. So got this work experience. I think it was year nine or ten or something. And it was a it was Win TV and uh, Star FM out there that kind of shared a building together, and Work Experience was doing a bit of both. And everyone in T and I, I don't want this to be insulting to anyone working in TV now, but everyone that was working at this Win TV station in Griffith was just moping around, and it was like they hated the job and it wasn't fun, but they'd just go out and, and, you know, work the nine to five and put the news bulletin together out there. And I sort of thought, oh, oh, okay, so this is TV, right. And then I'd go over to the radio station and the jocks are going out every day doing OBs, like getting free lunches and like it just seemed like such a fun job. Yeah. And I think that's where it started. I thought, wow, if, if imagine imagine your whole life getting paid to do this sort of stuff as a job. And it started there and then I sort of ditched TV at that point and just loved radio ever since. Like I love that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to put in effort for your appearance if you don't want to. You no. know, you can just rock up. 
um, it, it's a lot easier to make uh, it's a lot easier to make radio sound really good than it is to make TV look really good. So I think you you know you can you can be a lot more creative with radio. You can um, be more impressive earlier on, like which maybe that's my Gen Y way of thinking. But you know it, it's just you can really get into it and make an impression really quickly if you've got, you know, if you want it enough and, and, you know, you've got that talent and you work hard to develop yourself. Um, and yeah. And then from there I did, uh, a year of a journalism degree. Um, and when that, that was a Bathurst at Charles Sturt and I, in the break, the sort of summer break after my first year, I got a job, just a summer job at, 2EC Power FM down in Bega, which is quite near where I grew up. Yeah. And um, and now I was doing the, uh, you know, like the Black Thunder driving and giving away prizes and it was summer yep. and it was at the beach and I was like 18 years old and, you know, hot people everywhere. And, and it's just, you just think, holy God, this is the life. Like, I love this job. And then I, I had in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, I better go finish my three-year degree. So I went back to uni and um, and the radio station, the, the actual full-time journalist at the radio station quit about a month into my second year of uni and they called me up and they were like, oh, you know, do you want to, we think you're you good, do you want to come and do this? And um, I went to my course coordinator at Charles Sturt I said, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, they've offered me this job, but I really want to get a degree. And he kind of looked at me like I was an idiot and said, he's like, mate, people do the three-year degree and still can't get full-time jobs. You've got it offered to you on a plate. Get out of here and go and do it. And which I did, yeah, (laughs) which I did. And, I, I mean, it's so true. Like you'll learn way more in an actual station well, even if you're just volunteering, like, you know, once you're in there and forced to do things, you, you learn it and then you start crafting that skill. How important was that for you to start at a regional station whereby you might have been the newsreader, but you would have been doing a whole lot of other stuff there because they don't have the, the staff to do all of the jobs that yeah. perhaps a, a station like that offers. Yeah. Well, like I was doing, I think, weekend um, announcing. Even back at that point, I only did journalism at uni. You know what, what a funny story is? I remember like wanting to get into TV and stuff, and I was like, what unis did people that work on TV go to? Did they even go to uni or how did they get into it? And I saw, I'm pretty sure it was Sophie Faulkner, the girl that twisted the letters on Wheel of Fortune, yes. had gone to Charles Sturt University in Bathurst. And I thought, wow, if she went to Charles Sturt and is now the girl turning but turning letters on Wheel of Fortune, that must be a really good place to go. And that's why I went. So I was never really set on journalism. I just thought it would be a good good start to get into the media somehow. And then at, at my first radio station full-time job, I was doing a bit of music announcing and stuff like that. And I'd actually, I actually didn't enjoy music announcing. Like I really loved the news because, it. I mean, you know, you do a week, a, a, you know, you have a shift that you do a week of music announcing 
and you're obviously like announcing the same song, you know, five times, five or six times or whatever. Um, And that just wasn't for me. I liked the news that was so different and every single day, I mean, it couldn't get every hour is is different and you're, it's so interesting. It's it's the same job, but every day it's it's completely different. It is, yeah. So, I mean, your framework and your hours are the same, but there's not a day that feels like the day before in doing news in radio, I don't think. So, yeah, I I quickly um, just actually fell in love with doing radio news. Um, But, yeah, working in a regional station, I mean, I I would, would... say it's essential, you know, like I couldn't, couldn't recommend it more um, to get out there, but not only for like getting the, you know, work hours up and, and, and the experience on your resume, but at a regional station, they will give you so much more freedom um, than you'd get at a, at a Sydney or Melbourne, you know, F top FM station. So it allows you to work out what it well, is who that you, you enjoy are. the most and yeah. what you're really good at. Yeah, and you can experiment with things, um, make mistakes and not get immediately fired for it, you know what yeah. I mean? Like you've and, – and, and I had the time of my life living and living and working down near Bega. If anyone knows the area, there's a, a – Bega itself is, you know, inland and – Full of dairy cows, yeah. But about fifteen minutes from there is this is this small like little seaside village, just absolutely picturesque called Tarthra, and I was living there. The famous pub, right? Tarthra pub. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it used to have these huge um, New Year's parties down there, and it's just it was just such a fun time. And everyone's about your same age. Everyone's in the same boat. wants to get into radio, is all starting out, and you just make so many great friends. And I still talk to them all to this day, um, and they've all got great jobs now, most of them. Like in radio, um, everyone, you know, you just keep working at it and eventually you all end up, you know, where you want to be. I guess the sad part is is that perhaps there's not as many jobs in those regional stations these days. Yeah, well, I guess so. Um, I mean, I worked for uh, my first job was at... Um, grand broadcasters, and I know that in particular, um, they're very conscious of keeping keeping um, programming local, um, which I think is is so commendable. Um, it's important for the community, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, and they see it as uh, you know, it's a family owned business that, um, and they would, you know, they just get that it's important to to have each station. Operating as, as a you know, as a station, a local station should be. Um, whereas you know your other networks maybe not so much. So, you know, there are still there are definitely still stations out there that um, if you if you're keen and you have got talent, they would love to have you. You know, just send your resumes out there. Don't be scared. Um, just get people start calling up stations like and you. You could you could get a job anywhere, but I'll say uh, my advice is to just go because you'll you'll fall in love with whatever town you go to. I reckon, like as long as you go into it with the right attitude, you'll have the time of your life. And then eventually, you can you know if you're from a city, you, you'll get back there. Like you just have to. It's like well, you could go to Europe and just travel around 
having fun but not getting anywhere with your career and yeah. losing heaps of money. Or you could just move to, move somewhere in Australia, get paid for it, and then end up with a great career out of it. Like It's nothing to be scared of. How did the path then end up for you to be in Sydney? So how long did you spend in the south coast? Uh, I was there maybe two years or so um, at that first station. Then, you know, as I think everyone does, you start just wanting to wanting to be recognised, like, you know, you want to get to a bigger station and stuff like that, which which uh, regional stations get that as well. Like they know that you're only going to be there for a few years um, and particularly, I mean, I feel sorry for a lot of people because the, the better they train you at a regional station, the faster <laughs> the faster you get another job and mm. they lose you. So, you know, but I guess that's just the industry. But from there I think I went to Star FM in Wagga, um, was doing news there for a bit, then went to 2CC and 2CA in Canberra. What was um, it like living in Canberra? I love Canberra as well. I, I uh, My family's from the Riverina, so I wasn't in Wagga very long and I got there in the middle of winter and it was very freezing and I can't say I was the hugest fan of Wagga, but that was the only place where I didn't love it. Like Canberra, loved it. Was that... 2CC, the talk stations for a while, and then moved over to the FM stations. Um, and that was like, that to me was my big jump. Like that's where I felt I got, was getting really where I wanted to go. Like I was then doing afternoon news in Canberra for like Hamish and Andy was on the show at that point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, ob- and it was so huge back in, uh, you know, I don't know what, 2008 or nine or something like that. Um, and, you know, Hamish and Andy, just absolutely mega stars on the radio. And, you know, to get a job where your voice is coming on the radio to Canberra, which, you know, it's a fair size city, mm. um, in the middle of this show, like just I loved it. Like I thought that was the best. So I maybe did that for two years there, and then I actually I, was. This was a bit weird. I I don't know why, but I got recommended for a TV job in Canberra um, and went in for an interview. But I did, as I said, I was never really that interested in, in TV. But I went in anyway and did the interview. And the, the you know, employer that was interviewing me had worked in Sydney radio back in the day. And I had in my mind that I would either, you know, really try for this TV job in Canberra or just go to Sydney and start off with whatever job I could find in Sydney and try to, you know, work my way up that yeah. way. So it was, the, it was this sort of cross paths that I had and... Uh, the the woman interviewing me for the TV job, I asked her a bit about the job she had in Sydney in radio and she was telling me all these great stories of, you know, all the fun she had and it just, she almost, she she did, she talked me out of the, the TV, TV job and I think I, I wasn't officially offered it but, you know, I, I could have definitely got it, I think, um, but but she's, she just sparked it in me to go, you know what, I'm just going to move, I'm going to get whatever job I can find in Sydney, I don't care what it is, I'm moving there and we'll see what happens. Um, so do you think that was a big risk or? Yeah, I do because I had, you know, I one, I had this really cushy job um, Monday to Friday in Canberra 
had heaps of friends there, really loved it, but, you know, you want to do something different. I thought, well, could get into TV maybe. And, you know, that did seem like a pretty cool thing to do. Or I could just go to Sydney and, and work weekends and like, you know, and just see what happens. So, and I decided I would do that. So I got a, um, <laughs> Ralph, as a sports guy yourself, you can probably imagine that I'm not the the biggest sports nut. No. <laughs> so I accepted a job at 2GB as a sports reporter. So were they, did they advertise it or how did that come about? I think I'd just been, I'd started to send off some resumes and stuff like that right. to, to UE, 2GB, that sort of thing. Um, and 2GB, Erin Ma, she was like, oh, yeah, you know, you sound good or la, 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 but we don't really have many positions. And um, and then it came up, this sports job, and I had absolutely no idea you about pulled it off, You pulled it off pretty well, I must say, at the time because... I, <laughs> I guess it comes back to that whole desperation thing of yeah. being willing to do anything Whatever, yeah. to get a start in Sydney radio mm. and, you know, not knowing anything about sport but taking that gig yeah. just purely on the fact of looking at it as like a a point where you could catapult your career from mm. from there. I think I even – I keep seeing on Facebook there's like a, a – a quote from Richard Branson that comes up as like a meme all the time, which is something along the lines of, you know, if an opportunity presents itself that you don't think you can do, just say yes and learn how to do it later. You know, and that's exactly what I did in this situation. Like I'd said yes to the job and this was going to, you know, I'd be working just weekends and early starts on a Saturday and Sunday and stuff like this, you know, hours are terrible had no idea that I could get fired after a week because I would have, yep. you know, I was terrible at it. But I just took the job. I studied sport as best as I could. Um, started watching it, you know, like tortured myself for sitting through, sitting through NRL games. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, and I and and I surprised myself actually because. I remember one day, and you know, 2GB, it's a huge sports station, um, and it was the Masters Tennis, uh, uh, Masters Golf, sorry, and, um, you know, golf, like, please, I'm not going to be watching that on TV on a, like, Saturday morning or whatever, uh-huh. but I, I got into it in the job, like, I was following the leaderboards and whatnot, and then it was the final day, and I had the day off, but I was like, oh, I actually want to watch this. So I'm sitting at home in my apartment in Sydney watching the Masters golf and it was like exhilarating, like the ending was really close and and I was so into it. And I remember just thinking to myself, holy shit, like I've actually... Sport's not so bad after <laughs> no. all. You know, I kind of like for people uh, like yourself that have no interest in it, I actually feel sorry for people <laughs> like because oh, yeah. if you just remove... It as a sporting contest. It's theatre, right? It's yeah, got yeah, it's yeah. got heroes, it's got villains, it's yeah. got all of those things, it's got excitement, it's got um tragedy and sad or mm. not tragedy, sadness and all of these kinds yeah. of things, all of these emotional things. If you take that connection away, you've just got theatre, yeah. right, don't you? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm glad that you put yourself through that so that you could actually oh, appreciate sport yeah. for what it actually yeah. is. And in terms of every job I've ever had to do since then 
I mean, knowing, having an understanding of at least the basics of sport and how how your main, you know, AFL, NRL, uh, cricket, golf, that sort of thing, how it, how the scores work and and stuff like that. I mean, you've got to know that sort of stuff. It's a big stumbling be... block for some people because yeah. I'm sorry, if you can't get sport, you're not going to no. last long in the industry because no. there'll be some point where you will have to do it. Yeah, and yeah. if you get it wrong, sport you probably just sound more like so a complete than, idiot than anything else. Yeah. People will the 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 radar will go up and yeah. people will zero in on it more yeah. so than if you got. I don't know, got the finance figures wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be some nerds out there that'll yeah. pick you up on that. But if you get sport wrong, my God, you better mm. be ready for the backlash. <laughs> I still, I actually still get emails at KISS now um, or like, t- you know, people will write to you on Twitter, oh, you got this, you know, you got this yeah. name wrong or score wrong or whatever to do with sport, you know, so you're exactly right that comes through. But, you know, I think, um, yeah, I was a gamble but... I paid off, and again, like you just have to. If you you got you get presented an opportunity, you know you've got a random regional radio station offering you a job, or you this you know overnight shift in a newsroom or whatever, and you think, oh god, that sounds like the worst thing in the world. Just give it a go, um, and you'll um, you know you'll surprise yourself. Like I haven't I haven't really done many jobs in in radio that I didn't enjoy. Like. And I've done some random ass yeah. jobs. Like, so did that gig there at Two GB then lead to something more full time? You said you were no, well, casual. I, I you just pretty kept much kept take, casual. I I, I was full time at Two GB, um, and I just love taking a risk, Ralph, because I left the full time job at Two GB to go and be a casual, um, and I had no other work, so it was just. I just wanted to do this at Today FM. Um, and as I was saying, you know, with with Jeff Field and stuff, like, you know, you're very aware of, of Kyle and Jackie O and it's it's the real pinnacle of, um, you know, of, of not only Sydney radio and New South Wales radio but, but Australian radio, you know, it's a great show. So I was at 2GB for a while doing sport and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to take this risk and just do casual work at Today FM in the hope that it would somehow lead to something, you know. Um, and I got uh, at 2GB, you, you're on the road a lot. Like that was also part of my job there. So you okay. go out press conferences, press conferences was that and on stuff. News and sport, or just still sport? Uh, well, sometimes news. Like I was, if I was in reading, it would always I'd be doing a sports shift. But there would be some days where I'd just be out and about. Um, and that's a great thing to do. I'd recommend doing that for you know, at least six months. If you want to be a journalist or newsreader, like you've got to go out and do some field work. You'll it gives, learn you, it gives so, you variety, right? Oh, so, yeah. you know, you could be going to, you know, Navy story one day. You might be going yeah. to a finance story the yeah. next day. You might be going to a court story the day mm. after that. You yeah. might be going to like a, um, you know, uh, something on politics after that. So you kind of get that well all-rounder sort of uh, persona about what you do and your capabilities. I think your approach is really admirable in the fact that you just went and did it and then thought about it afterwards. Like flying by the seat of your pants, there's nothing quite like it. Mm. And the fact that you were willing to learn about things that you didn't know about, it's a real skill. Yeah, yeah. And and there's nothing I regret, you know. Um, 
and I don't think there there ever can be. Like everything you do, every random job you take, you learn something from. And and everything I've done has, has helps me now and is the reason that I eventually got the job that I wanted. But yeah, I was at so uh, on the road at 2GB, I, the, another great thing of doing it is you meet so many people. You meet all the people that work at the other media organisations, TV, newspapers, radio, websites now, um, and you obviously met, come across, you know, media advisors, you meet them face-to-face or, um, you know, spokespeople for different organisations and companies. It's like it's, it's paid networking, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I got this casual job at Today FM um, from meeting a guy out on the road who worked at Today FM and, you know, just getting friendly, having chats, and then he eventually was like, oh, we, you know, we've got some work going, you should come over and uh, or you should, you know, email the boss or whatever. So... Um, that's how I got that today FM job really just from, from networking. And it's, I remember being in, in uni or even high school and, you know, you, you told, oh, networking's important. And I remember just thinking, what the hell does that even mean? Networking? Like it just sounded like, like a bogus term out of a bad eighties movie. Yeah, exactly. You're like, well, how do you, (laughs) what do you mean? How do you do that? Um, but it's literally just, just saying hello or like having a laugh with with someone standing next to you at a at a press conference or at some event or whatever media drinks whatever it is like there's nothing the media industry is sort of seen as like big because it sort of spreads its tentacles far and wide but mm. ultimately it's actually really small because yeah. the people that you see one day might be working for one radio station, they'll be working for another one the next month or they'll go and work in TV or yeah. someone from newspaper might make the cross to, yeah, to yeah, TV yeah. or to go and work for a, a politician or something. And just by you being there and having a conversation with them, who knows where that leads yeah. like down the track, five, yeah. ten years. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can, ju- I can see my, you know, 17, 18-year-old self hearing someone say, Oh, and I got this uh, Today FM job because I just was chatting to some dude I met. Like, it sounds, like, ridiculous. Like, well, actually, give me some advice. But you're right. Like, you just never know where these random relationships will lead to. Um, But they, they will lead to somewhere. Like, you know, don't think too much about it. But just, yeah, just be out there. Like, don't. Yeah, don't if if you get an opportunity to to do a job where you are put on the road or you're just out and about a little bit more, take it because you know it, it will lead to some great places. And then I went to Save FM and that was great. Um, but that but, was also then just another stepping stone, if you like, to get to ARN where you are now. Yeah, yeah. Because another gig came up. Yeah, um, over there at the edge. Yeah, so I was obviously casual at Today FM, and after a while, I was like, "Well, you know, you need a full time job, to, especially living in Sydney." Um, so I sort of, again, another like risk. I, I obviously was at Today FM where I thought I wanted to end, like that would be the the end goal, if you know yeah. what I mean. But you know, you you have a look and you look for new challenges, and I sort of thought, "Oh, well, I'll go." I'll go and go to this new show, um, The Edge with Mikey and Emma. Um, I hadn't, I'd, I'd heard, I'd heard of, I'd listened to The Edge before, I'd heard of Mikey and Emma, 
but I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a listener. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I'd yeah, ever. The situation even... with the edge is that it's not classified as Sydney Metro. Yeah, so it's it's like a it's basically Sydney's West is its and yeah. the Blue Mountains is its broadcast area. Um, so, but it's cool. It's it's with now with WSFM and Kiss in the in the same building. So it's a real you know I I think the Edge is so underrated. Like it's a great breakfast show, great music. It's loved particularly in Sydney's West. Like it is, everyone listens to it. You know, under the age of thirty oh, and even older. Their like, station, right? Yeah, it's theirs. So um, I think it. In the years to come, as Sydney's West just grows and grows, I mean, it should to me it should be considered like one of Australia's biggest radio stations even now, um, and I think it will be one day. But uh, I sort of took this job, and I'd never really listened to Mikey and Emma before, and I remember, if, you know, day or two before going in for the interview, I thought, oh shit, I better like listen to this show. So I listened, and um, you know, you tr- quickly try to get a grasp of the relationship between the two of them and the things they talk about and what they would be looking for. Um, and I went into the interview and, uh, and I mean, me and Mikey and Emma, I became great friends and still are friends now. And I'm sure, you know, they wouldn't mind me saying this, but like, you know, I just bluffed my way through it. And I was like, oh yeah, I listen to you guys all the time. Like, oh, what you were saying yesterday with this topic that was so funny, and oh, I'd be on your side for that, Emma, and Lola. You oh, so know, they were actually in the interview. Yeah, they were in the interview as well. Um, and I just charmed the socks off them, and they offered me the job on the spot. Like, um, so I guess from a <laughs> um, a development point of view, that actually gave you a really good platform to express your personality because. You'd been at 2GB, where obviously it's very straight-laced. Mm, yep. um, today, FM, you weren't in the mould where you were a newsreader as part of yeah, the I was show filling as such. In, I was filling in for other people's yeah. shifts and weekends and mm. stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I wasn't um, – there's no personality stuff at all. Um, and the edge, I kind of – I didn't re- I didn't go into the edge with any – Expectations? Like, pl- yeah, or? any expectations or, or plan or being like, oh, I'm going to do this and then, and then do this. I just thought that seems like a cool job. I'm going to – go for it and take it. And, and I just started doing it and it was so much fun. And, and so I was at ARN and then, um, did that job for a while and just loved it. Really. I think there was where I really developed that, um, getting to know your, your demographic and audience really well, because it is such, and it's easier when the audience is really defined. Um, the broader it is, the harder it becomes to, make a news bulletin that appeals to all of your audience because, you know, you've got so many different people. But the edge, it's like it's female skewed as well and it's like 18 to 24 living in Sydney's West, you know, and that's a real – for that age group, it's it's really specific. Like people at that age are really only doing certain things, you know, like working in retail or or tradies or whatever. Like, you know, you get a bit older and people start to have – broader jobs yeah so it's it's great it's, it was really no, defined. no commitments right so yeah it's just like yeah out, out, out every friday saturday yep, night yep, you know yep. no cares no responsibilities yeah, yeah. so um, it's a really sort of niche market. yeah and you obviously have you know young people with, that might have children or whatever but you know majority don't so 
you know that with that market as well, like you, they just got lots of money to burn and doing whatever they want to do. So I think not having that audience in my mind really helped me to learn those skills of, well, every single story has to appeal to like a 20-year-old chick living in Western Sydney. Um, and that, you know, and then you know what stories to run and what stories are just boring as shit to these um to people living out there and your people listening. So I think that was great. Like I learned that skill. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, while I'm sitting at, at ARN doing the edge, it's announced that Kyle and Jackie O are coming to ARN. Yeah. So, and that was, you know, who, who would have expected that? And I certainly didn't. You being on the edge for that time, as I said, gave you that, uh, time to work up your skills as being not only guy that delivers the news but guy that had a personality. So when the opportunity presented itself, when someone else left the Kyle and Jackie O show, mm. you were pretty much a ready-made replacement to jump into that that role. As it turned out, I mean, you're right because I just and and the news. I mean, the format of the news, like the length of it and, and stuff like that, like I base, they just basically said, you know, do what you're doing on the edge and and bring it over to Kiss. Like obviously the story selection is a bit different for that, you know, different um, audience, but it was, it, it, I really didn't change much of my style or um, how I sort of structured the news bulletins or anything like that. It was just like, yeah. Go over to Kiss now, um, and yeah, as I said, I just I I had no idea at the time that that that's what I was doing at the Edge. You know, I was just loving the Edge, and then just all of a sudden, the yeah, what I'd always hoped and hoped to achieve one day just came to me while I was sitting yeah. at ARN. So yeah, it was it was amazing when um, you know when it all it all did just come together. Um, yeah, when I sort of got that, got that, had that conversation of like, yeah, Kyle and Jackie O would really love. It. And I was, because I was at the edge, I was also called in to f- do fill ins on Kyle and Jackie O. And I think that's where, obviously, working for the same company, being someone that could just fill in at the at last yep. minute notice when needed, they were then able to assess to go, whether you were up to yeah, the yeah. And then when it turned out that they needed someone new, they were just like, yeah, Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn's there. He's done it before and, and they liked it. So, yeah, it was great. You've mentioned the fact that it's pretty much your dream job. What's yep. the favourite part of the gig for you? I Literally everything. Like, um, I don't know. It's just great. It's just what better, to me, what better radio job for for FM. Like, it's, what I, it's just what I really enjoy. Like, I love the... Even with Kyle, like I was talking about how I'm not really into sport. Like he's not really into sport either. Like no. sport is really not a, a, a function of that show. No. Like they, it's the last thing they want to talk about. Um, same for me, you know, and they like Jackie obviously has uh, entertainment stories, which she covers. And, you know, I do appreciate I don't like putting it in my news, but, um, you know, I follow entertainment. Like I watch watch reality shows and stuff and, like, I do love all that stuff, you know, and it's just, I don't know, it's great. Last year I got to talk to Britney Spears on the phone, love Britney Spears, 
got to dance with Justin Bieber when he was in Sydney. Love Bieber. You know, it's just the best job. It's so great to hear someone still so passionate about the the job that they're doing (laughs) because a lot of people you think about, you know, and I'm talking people outside of radio that, you know, just go and do a job because they get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, You know, they, they hate turning up to work every day, whereas I think, like you said before, being in the media... Every day is the same, but every day is different, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, would ne- I mean, I would never preach to, you know, I would never say to everyone, oh, get into the media, it's the best job. What I would say is that, like, think within yourself, what do you love doing? Um, and it could be anything. Like, it could be laying bricks. Like, you you just have such a skill for doing it and, you know, you, you love being outside all day. Like, whatever it is... Just, you know, find out what it is, recognise it and make it your career, make it your life. Like I love being on the radio and reading the news on radio and I've loved it for 10 years and hopefully we'll be doing it for another 10 years. Like whatever it is that you like, do it and then it's going to be the best job. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm only saying that the, the job I do is the best job for me, and when I, you know, eventually I'll get, you know, might do something different. They'll get someone new, and it'll be the best job for, that someone else wants to do. Like, or there'll be another show that comes huge, or whatever it is. Like, you know, just just go after what you want to do. Just what I what from the very start, it's what I I had it in my mind, and and then when it finally like just came over to me. Like at that last hurdle, it's like I didn't really have to do anything. Like I just put all those little steps in place in over the past few years and then all of a sudden it was there and I was ready to go and it's like, yeah. You've also got a little side gig. Yeah. <laughs> a, ra- a, ra- a radio station that you've built up for the gay community. Yeah, I do. Tell us about that. So um, I guess it's my – I guess it's like a – you know, it was like a hobby when I started it and I – Started it, I think maybe, yeah, I don't know, I was in between jobs or um, doing some casual work or something like that. And I was just kind of thinking like I'd moved to Sydney and I was like "There's there was no gay radio station in Sydney and Melbourne had one. And I was like, well, that, you know, what's that about? Obviously I love radio and I sort of investigated a little bit more into it um, and actually one thing I discovered was um, John Singleton, who now owns 2GB, had had ambitions and, and was in the process of starting a gay radio station in like 1994 or something like that. Right. Um, and this was before he owned 2GB. And he was obviously, you know, the big ad man, advertising guru. And he could see that for, for gay people... Um, and particularly male gay people, like they, you know, will pair up. So you've got two two males um, probably with full-time wages that probably won't have kids and the older they get, you know, they're just making more and more money and then they're, they're these... Huge disposable income. Yeah, the disposable income is massive. So to an advertiser, it's like the dream, the dream buyers. Like you need to get your message to these guys and they'll... Double income, no kids. Yeah. It's a gold mine. Exactly. So I researched into it and I did a lot of research um, 
and that and, and yeah, this John Singleton thing really stuck with me. And I was like, and he's obviously, you know, he, he's so successful with radio now with 2GB. And I was like, wow, he had that idea. And it, it, as far as I know, you know, I've never, I've never sat down and spoken to John Singleton about why he didn't end up doing it. But as far as I can sort of work out, he he then got the chance to buy 2GB yeah. and other went into that. Yeah, yeah, he did other things. So, And I guess maybe it may have been before it's probably it's a bit, time yeah. at that stage. Yeah, I whereas, think so too. You know, we'll, I know that even though he was targeting a specific uh, audience, whether the people that were perhaps issuing licences or allowing people to do something like that mm. may not have been as receptive as perhaps they would be today. Yeah, that could have, it could have been a thing as well. Who knows? Um, but, I mean, just for this guy who's who's been so successful in the media in Sydney to have wanted to do this like 20 years ago, it just really stuck with me. So I was like, okay, there's something in this idea and... And Melbourne has a, a gay radio station, but it's um, com- a community station. So it's not run for profit and it's got, as any community radio station is, you know, anyone can sign up and be a member yeah. and do the show. So it, it just is a community station and there's no way around that. Um, but I thought, well, no, there's actually an opportunity to to make this a business, make it a proper you know, a radio station that's run like any other commercial radio station. And then it sort of got to the the uh, technology side of it or the, well, how are you going get, to get this? You know, you can obviously put together a, a, a playlist and, you know, your segments and announcements and, and whatnot. And how does it work with, with royalties and all of that? Yeah, well, and I was like, well, okay, well, how do you actually get it out there? You know, what's the cost of a licence and broadcasting and whatever? And it was about, and this was maybe five years ago now, um, and it was about the time where, you know, iPhones uh, were out, obviously, at that time, um, but your data was getting a lot cheaper. So you were getting more data um, for less money. Um, you, cars were starting to get Bluetooth in them. So, yep. so basically all these factors were coming together where just streaming radio on your smartphone wasn't chewing up all your data, which had been a problem with internet radio before then. So, I mean, and then it, it was at this point where you could get your phone, you could listen to a live streaming radio station. It sounds absolutely crystal clear, perfect, like any other, like better than than terrestrial radio station. And and you could, you could put your phone in your car. You'd, you can either plug an AUX cord into it. Yep. Or your Bluetooth it, which, you know, most new or pretty much all new cars today have it. It was just starting to come in five years ago. And I just thought, wow, the actual, the cost and the requirement for someone to listen to a radio station, just as they normally would driving in their car, you know, all you just want is is the music to come through your speakers as a, as a user of radio. Yeah. And I thought, wow, it's actually all the technologies there for people to do that inexpensively. Like, it, you know, it doesn't really cost you anything as long as you've got, you know, a good phone plan or whatnot. And it's just there. So, uh, yeah, I started gayradio.com.au and you get the app. We've got Android iPhone apps. And obviously we've improved over the past five years. So, you know, you'd you learn from it and you you know you improve the technology it actually uses even less down of your downloads now than it did 5 years ago the radio station's going well though it's being well received 
Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I think with the, the gayradio.com.au, it's, um, it's got a niche. It's obviously a niche market. So I think it's, uh, was able to really connect with that, with that audience. Like, as I said, there was no, in Sydney, there was no other gay radio station operating. So when we first started and started making noise, people just no- did notice it and gave it a go and picked a complete gap in the market. Like yeah, any yeah. sort of entrepreneur would in any, Kind of business. Yeah, that's right. And even, um, so we're just, we've mostly been focused on Sydney, um, having a go down in Melbourne. And I was always conscious of Melbourne because in my eyes, they already had a gay radio station. The more I go down there and the more I talk to people, I mean, it's a community radio station. And I did work at a community radio station when I first started. They have their place. Like, it's a great service. I hope community radio stations are around forever, but it's not like by their by their whole concept of it, it's not designed for a listener, if you know what I mean. Like it's, again, it comes back to that whole quality argument. Yeah, well. I mean, it's just like it, it, the community radio stations are about access, and the community can get involved, which is great. But anyone that's worked in commercial radio knows that you know your radio station is a promise that anytime you tune in, it's gonna be pretty much the same thing and quality, la, la, la. Community, you never know what you're going to hear. Like, it's going to be a different show every every hour or two and different music. And so, I mean, it's just hard to do it as a 24-7, you know, radio station that um, people want to want to have on all day at work or whatever it be. So I think from us going down into Melbourne and saying, hey, we're a gay radio station as well, we we actually have three different music. We have three different stations now with three different styles of music for gay people. So we've just got the young sort of top forty type station. Uh, one uh, as you kind of you know your WS Pure Gold type yep. thing, but just with those camp old Madonna whatever. Um, and then we have like a, a chilled out, relaxed type vibe. Uh, laying by the pool and whatnot. And it's like, you, yeah, you say to people, hey, these stations are programmed for exactly what you want to hear, have a listen, and they just love it in Melbourne. Like they, it's like, oh, my God, this is actually a radio station for gay people that we enjoy listening to, like we want to listen to. So, and I'd never, I didn't really expect that. I, I was thought they would be more cautious. But, yeah, I think it's, it's a niche market, which makes it hard to be. I'm not a millionaire. Like no. you, it's easy to connect with the audience you want, you know. And there is like there's there's advertising money out there for the gay community. Like we've had gay magazines, gay websites, and things like that. So you know, and I hope to I hope to prove that uh, a medium targeting gay people can can be really effective, an effective advertising medium. And that's my goal with it. And I've, I've always thought radio, as I'm sure any radio salesperson would think uh, and would know, is that radio really does work for, for advertising purposes, you know, yeah. word of mouth and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, so I just I want to turn it into, into a profitable station um, and it'll get there. It's just... Just doing its thing in the in the background. In the background. Work yeah, Kyle and Jackie O. Yeah. Oh, We've well. touched on it all through this interview, probably. But what would your advice be for anybody that is looking to make their way into journalism, or more particularly radio? How would you go about getting a start 
if you wanted to pursue that as a career option? Don't be scared of rejection. And from that, I think, comes writing to people, calling up radio stations, asking who the content or program director is or who the news director is. People may say no, but I tell you what, they're actually more likely, if you've called up, um, you know, even if you're still in school or, or you've started uni or whatever, if you call up and just have just a genuine, nice conversation, tell someone what you're looking for, you you come and, and work for free or, you know, or just say like, hey, I'm in available or you got any jobs going. You might think that that happens like daily or something that we get a call, but it doesn't. Like you stand out if you just make the you know the contact and as i said don't don't be scared of rejection like and and you know you can start like you could do afters or you could go to uni or whatever like that's how i how i kind of started but i just didn't really know where to start so i just did that as something and i guess the greatest thing that's probably come out of this chat that we've had today is that also your advice would be don't be afraid to take the odd risk take a risk yeah I think if you if if you vaguely know that you're pointed somewhere in the direction that you want to be, if it's if as long as you're not going backwards or or even to the side, as long as it's just got a little angle towards your path that you're trying to get to, just do it. As long as you as long as you're moving in the direction you want to go, it's got to be good, right? Like take a risk, call people up have fun, have fun. Don't do something. And and if it's, and if you think you're not going to have fun, make it so that you have fun, like enjoy, don't be in a job and, and mope around all day. Try and find the, the good aspects of it. And it's just life. Like you just got to enjoy it. Brooklyn Ross. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks Ralph. There he is, Brooklyn Ross. If you really enjoyed my chat today with Brooklyn, please let him know by sending him a tweet. He's at Brooklyn underscore Ross. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is at MediaMatesAU. Check out the Facebook page. Most importantly, if you could subscribe in iTunes, that'd be great. It means you won't miss an episode. While you're there, please leave a rating or review. That way more people will learn about the show. Until next time, I'm Ralph Tucker, and this has been the Media Mates Podcast. Media Mates Podcast.